0: Again, just want to welcome you guys to uh, Refuge this morning. It's an honor that you guys are here. If you have your Bible, uh, why don't you turn to the book of John? Uh, If you're new with us, let me just kind of tell you what we've been doing as a church. We've been going through uh, the book of John for the past three months, uh, maybe four months. I've lost count. And uh, we're just going at it, man. Like we are just reading through it line by line and just allowing the word of God to read us. And uh, man, we got to just, we got to get into it. So chapter nine is a really interesting chapter. And to understand the text, we've got to really understand the context uh, of what's going on in chapter nine. This is right along uh, what's been happening uh, outside of chapter eight, when Jesus makes the audacious claim that I am the light of the world. And so we're going to just kind of piggyback off of that. And Jesus is going to do something. And he's going to show us preachers how to do a real sermon illustration. He'd be like, all right, so I said I was the light of the world, and now I'm going to really show you, and know, I'm going to do this sermon illustration, and so he's going to take a man who, was, who has been blind since birth, all right. and he's going to give him sight yes. because he's got one thing to tell these people, that I am the light of the world. So we're still continuing on with that theme, and Jesus is going to do what only he can do in a weird, dis- let's be straight, disgusting fashion. And we'll get to that in just a second okay. with this claim of I am the light of the world by bringing healing to this man. There's going to be a couple things that you're going to find, and I'm going to try to get through this whole chapter. Uh, so I hope you brought your crackers and your Kool-Aid or whatever you drink, and uh, we're going to get at it, all right? All right. We're going to punch it hard. All right. We're going to go fast, just like Auburn. Amen? Right. Amen. Right. That's I'd, right. like I'd like the way I talk, too. <laughs> chapter 9, verse 1. Y'all know it's that time of year. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Y'all check out their bad theology here. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, well, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in Him, and it it's so powerful, and it is a very offensive statement that Jesus just made. We must work the works of Him who sent me. While it is day, night is coming, when no one can work. So long as I am the light of the world, uh, so long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, He spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes. I've never heard a person moan or groan after I've read that, that verse. But every time I read, it, I'm like, Ugh. I get a little throat, just kind of lodged in my throat. Anyway, <laughs> then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, yeah, that's him. Others said, no, but he's just like him. And he kept saying, I'm the man. So they said to him, then how are your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. All right, let me, let me just pause because I want us to work through, um, give us a quick Theology 101 lesson on suffering if I can. So Jesus sees this guy who has been blind since birth. And I believe that this man represents something that is very powerful for us as believers. This man is representing uh, the fact that all at one point or another have been spiritually blinded. You are spiritually blind outside of Christ, and that's what this man is representing. And so what you and I need and what this is showing us is that we need an illumination outside of ourselves, so that we can go from being spiritually blind to now seeing. We need this illumination. So the disciples, they get into this little weird... uh, Kind of discussion and questioning Jesus, which kind of exposes a little bad theology on their part, and they're like, "Well, he must have done something wrong. Uh-oh. Like he must have done something wrong." Or, I mean, as if if he was born blind, then what was he going to do? Like do something in the womb? I and mean, what did what did he do? Like kick his mama in there or something? Yeah. I mean, is that a sin? I'm sure some of you who have been pregnant are thinking, "Yeah, that's a sin." And when they get older, I'm going to whoop them for it too. I mean, I don't know if you think like that. It's kind of weird if you do. I mean, they're just infants, okay? And so they're representing something here in this culture that was really a false uh, ideology that was uh, very large in this culture. That something you you've had to do something really bad for you to be blind. But Jesus gives Jesus gives them <laughs> Jesus gives them this radical view on suffering that I think could help us out a little bit they ask him so was it his mama his daddy did he do something wrong no 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 he's not doing any of that Jesus tells them well I, I tell you the reason why was not this man's sin or his parents check this now but that the works of God might be displayed Amen. that's huge that's huge This gives us an incredible theology of suffering, which should allow us to kind of lean into this idea that there's actually purpose in your suffering. That there's there's actually purpose in your suffering. And I I don't think it's just this one text, so I'm not proof texting this. This is kind of the theology of what the Bible teaches about suffering. You look through Romans chapter 8, verse 28. God works all things for the good of those who love him all things not just the good things but he also is working out the bad things and the reality is that we may not see God working in our suffering but God truly is working in our suffering now this is tough because we don't know much about this guy we don't know how old he is We don't know much about his parents. We just know he was born and he's suffering. And he's born blind. He's suffering. And if his parents die, the brother man just left on his own. So that's all we know from this. But the, the reality that we do know about him is why suffering came to him. Suffering came to him so that God could get glory. Now that's, That's a tough pill to swallow in our culture. So that means that our suffering, God wants to get glory in it. Now, doesn't that, let's be honest in this room this morning, doesn't that feel offensive? I don't know, when I'm I'm reading through this, I'm like, how offensive is that? That I suffer, so God gets the glory? That's the reason why I'm suffering? And that's heavy because of the culture we live in because we have the idea well nothing ever should go bad in my life and when something does go bad in our life what do we do we shake our fist to the heavens and we ask him why me why are you doing this no just god would cause this calamity upon my life so why now come on let's be real i've said that to god in the deep darkness of suffering, I've waved my fist, probably with a middle finger in there, is asking and telling God, "Who do you think you are bringing this suffering upon me?" Because that's our reality that we live in. We think that nothing bad, we should all have this perfect life, and no suffering should ever come our way. Amen. But the reality is is that not if you will go through suffering but when you will go through suffering and the christian perspective is is that god will get the glory yeah. that despite how difficult or how good of a situation you may be in right now all things work out for your good now you may not see here is one of those things the christian perspective that you got to wrestle with you may not see that good here and now but one day in eternity that suffering that you are going through right now will seem like a distant memory. That's the Christian perspective. The Christian perspective is that we can, like James tells us, count it all joy when you're going through various trials. Now, I know when I'm going through something, and if somebody quotes that verse to me, I'm ready to punch that joker. Count it all joy? Count that all joy, brother. Come on, y'all know this is real now. But that's the christian perspective that despite how difficult our pain is is that we can have joy because our future with him far outweighs the suffering that we're going through right now i mean even paul said that he was he was pleading to the lord remove this suffering remove this pain that he's going through and we don't know what that pain was We don't know if it was a mental issue that he was going through, if it was epilepsy, or if it was some other kind of physical issue. But he said, I asked God to remove it. And you know what God's response was? My grace is sufficient. Sometimes he may not remove the suffering from your life, but he'll give you the grace to go through it. he says, and I will boast because your power and your strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. So in reality of that, God is using this weak soul and will use his weakness and will uncover a strength. He's been blind for a really long time. And now what God is going to give him, his sight, is going to be used as a catalyst for this man. So I, I like what John Piper says about suffering. He says, God's design for suffering is that it should magnify Christ's worth and power. This is grace because the greatest joy of Christians is to experience Christ magnified in our lives. I'll never be that guy. Let's keep reading. He's just so smart and I'm me. I got a Valley High School education. Barely. All right. Anyway, verse 13. They brought, that's a true statement, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind, all right? So now, insert the religious leaders. These guys, I mean, they just they just keep getting, I, I mean, they, it's just not looking good for these guys. Each chapter, when they come into the scene, it just seems like it gets darker and darker for them. So insert then the Pharisees, the man who had, formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day, uh-oh, when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Now, let me pause right there. I don't care how, how you try to spin that. And I, I don't know why Jesus chose to spit on dirt, wad it up, and throw it in his eyes. Now, there's a lot of thought in that. Like some people would suggest, well, this is a, um, a shadow of Genesis 2 when God made man out of dirt and breathed in him. I mean, I don't. The, the answer is we don't know why he did it. He's doing it on Sabbath, which these guys are really ticked about. You, you know, anytime you're in a restaurant and somebody harks one, what does that do to you? I mean, you lose your appetite. I wasn't going to do it. Y'all acting like I was about to hark one on you, but I ain't going to do that, man, because that's just nasty. Like, go to the bathroom, please. And Jesus just did that. Like, I'll show y'all. And he just, right there in the dirt, takes that dirt, makes like a little mud pie, like he's three years old. Come on, y'all, this is weird now. Like, we all want this beautiful, pretty Jesus who's doing all these, uh, just galloping on the pony in the meadow. But no, Jesus is just raw and playing with dirt. That's my kind of Jesus now. Go play with mud. Where was I? Verse 14, playing in the mud, in the dirt on the Sabbath, which again is a no-no. These, these, these jokers, they watched him. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, well, he put mud in my eyes, and I washed, and I see. And it's pretty honest. Look at verse 16. This is, this is dark. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, Well, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there's there's a good progressive step right there. And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind, They ain't gonna let this guy go. What did you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? Well, he said, He's a prophet. <laughs> The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents. Uh Uh-oh, they're going to call your mama and daddy of the man who had been received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son? Like the principal just got mom and dad involved. Is this your boy who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. How he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for him. I love verse 22. I love verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already made this agreement that if anyone should confess Jesus as the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Man, these parents were more worried about themselves and how people viewed them. That's so sad. So he answered. uh, Therefore, his parents said, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to them, uh, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see verse 26. Just a few more verses, y'all hang with me. They said to him, what does he do to you? What, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I just inserted that. I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, like, this joker, I like him. And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses, We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind, of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, Watch this now. You were born in utter sin and would teach, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. A few things that are revealed about these religious leaders and, and probably a lot more uh, for us to see. One of the things about this man is that you can see that There has been a radical change in his life. Just by the way that they are arguing with him. So they try to do a few things, these Pharisees. First thing they try to do, they try to disqualify him. Well, no one would heal anybody on the Sabbath. Because law would say, That you only heal on the Sabbath if the life was in jeopardy. Like if it was a matter of life or death, that was the only way you you were permitted. So these jokers were like trying to disqualify him. Do you see what false religion does? More about traditions. The other thing they do, not only do they try to disqualify him, but they try to discredit him. So they bring in these witnesses. of which are his parents. They try to seek to dismiss him by kicking him out. So they're trying to, I mean, their minds cannot get around this situation. And I believe that the reason why is because of their idea of the Messiah wasn't really like this Jesus. And you got to understand their frustration. A lot of us, we hate on the Pharisees. We hate on them a lot. But you really need to understand here. They had this expectation that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to just like kick booty, take names type thing, like militant overthrow Jesus. This is the Jesus they were wanting. They wanted Jesus to change their circumstances for their people, but Jesus wasn't into changing a circumstance. He was into changing a person's life, and they just could not get that. They couldn't get that Jesus was more about bringing radical transformation in a person's soul than bringing circumstantial change. Now, yes, he, he changed some circumstances in his day, but that was not his point. His point was to come to save. His point was to come to bring heart transformation. He came to bring you from being blind to giving you spiritual sight. That was his purpose. And he's using this beautiful sermon illustration to do that. That you are spiritually blind. And his goal was so that you can see him for who he really is. That he is God. He didn't come to just fix the person. I think I'll just let the right eye see. You don't really need that left eye anyway. No, he came to give a holistic Change in our lives. Not that we're fixed, but that we're new. Amen. Amen. Not that we're just see but that we can see Jesus for who he really is. And the reality is, though they had their physical sight, they were spiritually blind. The King of Kings is like right there. The traditions, rituals, law, their view of how Jesus should look was keeping them from seeing him. Hear me very carefully. The light comes to open our eyes, but the light can also blind you. It's a heavy statement, (laughs) one that probably doesn't help growing a church. But that's the reality. Jesus' light is shining on them. And notice the progression of these Pharisees in every chapter. Chapter after chapter. They grow more blind, more blind, further away from the reality that the king is standing right in front of them. So watch this now. He's been radically changed, right? Not semi-changed, radically changed. Here's a question for you. And I want you to really just kind of wrestle with this, because I wrestle with it in my own life. Is the salvation that Christ has given you, is that obvious to those around you? Is the salvation that Christ has given you, is that obvious to those around you? Because as I read through this text, I see something here that I perhaps don't see sometimes in my own life that this radical transformation that has taken place on the blind man, everybody around him knew about it. Christ has saved him. Christ has healed this guy. Yeah. And he was to be sure to tell everyone who asked him about it. Maybe a better way to, or perhaps a way to answer that, uh, that question is, you see boldness come out of this guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he's pretty bold encountering countering these jokers. Maybe a better way to answer this, the question that's that's being posed here, I believe, in this text is is your salvation obvious to, re- to those around you? Are you bold enough to share your salvation to people around you? My growing fear for myself, I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about me this morning. My growing fear for me and for all of us is that we just get so busy in our day to day activities. That there just isn't that same courage and boldness that this guy has in our own lives. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because the fear of man, which is, you just think about that from, look at that from like a 35 feet viewpoint. That's so dumb. What, you worry that you're not going to get accepted into this particular club or into this particular uh, group of people or, or you're worried that your neighbor is going to be arguing with you? I mean, you know how dumb that sounds? Christ has saved you. Where is our courage and boldness to share our faith to others around us? Now, I ain't telling you to go bang on people's doors and try to shove things down people's throat. I ain't telling you to be like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, Okay. Yeah, I like my Simpsons reference. That was, that was good. I'm not telling you that. But here, here's a reality for you, all right? I know many Jehovah's Witnesses. I know many Mormons. They out knocking on doors. Now, I love it when they come to my house. Because I'm like, y'all come on in, boo-boo. And I just act like I'm so ignorant to what they're talking about. And by the end, true story, by the end, they're like running to their car. I'm like, but wait! You didn't stay for coffee! That was a true story. (laughs) But what about us? They have not been transformed from darkness to light. Yet you and I have been transformed from being blind to now we spiritually see God for who he is. And yet so many of us are just sitting on our faith. And I man, when I read through this text, like I see this urgency that this man has. That so many of us, including myself, Lack the boldness to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And that call isn't on me. I mean, it is, but it's not just on me. That calls on every single one of us who proclaim the name of Christ as our Messiah. That you have been commissioned by the Word of God. So just think about that practically. Like, just think about one. Person, Like, that's all I'm asking you. I'm not going out and telling you to go win the whole nation to Jesus. I mean, if that's you, do it. Yeah. I'm just asking you right now, just pregnant. let's take a baby step. Just think of one person. Just one person. You got one person in your life. If you don't, then you ain't doing life right. Come right. well, on, you got one person that needs to hear, that needs that illumination in their soul. To see Jesus for who he really is. And so, our challenge is if you've been radically transformed by Christ, there should be a boldness in your life to go declare the good news of the gospel, which is Christ has died for such a sinner as me. And he took the wrath that I deserved and saved me, not just from something. I know we're about to get into Halloween and you'll hear a lot about, you know, the the weird plays and things where, you know, they try to scare Jesus into you, which is kind of weird, strange. He didn't just save you to bring you out of something. He saved you into something, which is marvelous. From darkness to light. I, I find it slightly offensive that this guy (laughs) I I don't know if anybody sees this this guy had to wait all these years just so Jesus could like use him as a sermon illustration (laughs) I mean that's my interpretation of it I don't know how long you will suffer I don't know how long you perhaps have been suffering but hear me friends you are bringing glory to God in your weakness and in your suffering Count it all joy. Man, you are being conformed more in the image of Jesus Christ. Towards the end of this chapter, (laughs) Jesus makes some pretty bold claims towards the end of it. He basically tells him that the light has come to bring sight to the blind and also blind the ones who see The miracles of Jesus, and this is one of those seven miracles that you see in the book of John. These miracles aren't just for us to be in awe of what he can do. Jesus is performing these miracles so that we can be in awe of just who he is. That's the purpose of all of this. Do you believe? Do you see him for who he really is? Has there been an illumination of your soul so that you could see Christ in all of his beauty? Have you been brought to darkness, to light? Has Christ redeemed your heart? Yes. Yes. Then go share it. Boldly proclaim the gospel, the good news of Christ. Amen. We're going to break into...